review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, John Hastings. John Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in almost two years, oh yeah, the rest of the review is actually recording in the same room. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is Dylan Gott. My name is John Hastings. Going to adjust those levels. Ooh, there we go. Levels. Live levels. Thank you very much for listening. I'm hungover, so I'm acting like I'm hosting a comedy <laughs> show. Yeah. <laughs> this week we'll be doing... Gerald Briscoe. Gerald fucking Briscoe. I'm going to say this right now. Gerald Briscoe, when he was a wrestler, uh, him and his brother are both Native American, and they were not ever given the gimmick of Native Americans. They were given the gimmick of all American boys, and then had to go to various territories where an Italian man was a Native American just being drunk and being like, That's very funny. I'm from Cigarette Tribe. (laughs) (laughs) Me drink them Listerine. As a proud First Nations person, I'm going to fucking kill that man. Yeah. Gerald Briscoe, one of two men in the WWE until his recent retirement, where everyone, all of the wrestlers agreed, watch out for that guy. Yeah, and the other weird thing about it is, like you you said, like him being First Nations and being so proud that they pitched an angle where he would become uh, a First Nations character and he uh, completely uh, said no to it. Yeah, that's very possible. He's just like, no, I'm... I'm Billy Joe Frisco, Briscoe. And they're like, no, you will not be that. <laughs> so Gerald Briscoe was born September 19th, 1946 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, baby. Him and his brother, I would say, are secretly the two most pivotal, pivotal people in the Vince McMahon expansion through the territories. We'll cover this and then we'll go through his career. They had shares in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Ole Anderson forces Jim Barnett out while Jim Barnett is in Hong Kong getting suits made because that's what he did every Christmas because Jim Barnett, don't give a fuck, <laughs> um, forced him out. The Briscoes hate Ole Anderson. Now, it's never specified why they hate Ole Anderson, so I guarantee that's because one time Ole Anderson put toilet paper on his head and was like, I'm Gerald, I work at a 7-Eleven. Not that type of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Indian Oli, and he's just like, I don't care, fuck you. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, just how many crazy, crazy racists where it's like, because uh, Briscoe said this about his upbringing was that basically he was made fun of for uh, being different at all. Like, he also said one of the scariest things was in Oklahoma, you didn't go out at night if you weren't uh, white. Jesus fucking Christ. And he learned how to fight, and then everyone wanted to be his friend, and that prepared him uh, much for wrestling, where Dick Murdoch went around being like, okay, here's the first move. How about this? I'll buy your house off you. Ha ha. Remember when we did that to you? <laughs> anyway, I win because I'm the best at burning in the sun. This, this is how much you know they were racially oppressed in wrestling. In Ric Flair's book... He goes out of their way to say, Jack and Jerry were native and they couldn't handle them fire water. Actually Jesus in the book. Jesus. Actually, fucking. No reason. Nope. You could just say they weren't good at drinking. It's because they're weak. It's also like they probably took care of themselves because Gerald Briscoe now looks good. Gerald Briscoe now looks good. And Gerald Briscoe, like, 
Bruce Pritchard made the story famous of he's escorting Chris Candido out of an arena, and Chris Candido is kind of sure if anyone was sent by Vince McMahon to beat him up, it would be Gerald Briscoe. And Gerald Briscoe, like a fucking man, just went, if I was going to, what was it? If I, if, I, if I wanted to hook you, you'd be hooked. Yeah. Like, Which is so funny that, uh, I don't know, that he projected that toughness that he's no, but just I, an he's, old man. But he's the one I believe that could still do that because he's the one that never, there's no stories about him doing it, which mm. means when he did it, those people don't tell the story. I don't know about that. I do because it, the thing with wrestlers is wrestlers like bigging up the tough guy in the same way that everyone's like, Sabu is crazy. And it's like, well, he does crazy stuff in the ring. And then they get a far away look in their eye and don't talk about it. And you're like, oh, God. like Sabu's just been in someone's house. Well, no, Sabu also the story where Sabu got shot and he ran after the guy who shot him because he was <laughs> pissed off at him. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> where you get shot and you're like, hey, I'm going to punch the gun right out of your hand. And I'm an alpha. You aim for the face. <laughs> <laughs> Take my face off. Yeah. If you're going to shoot me in the torso, why don't you just buy me some tampons, you fuck? <laughs> um, so just to quickly explain, Jack and Jerry owned a stake in Georgia Championship Wrestling. If they both sold their stake to whoever they sold it to with Jim Barnett, who still had to sell his stake now that he'd been forced out, that person would be the majority owner and would control the TV time of Georgia Championship Wrestling, which would become the TBS time slot, which is WCW Saturday night. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They sold that to Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon took over the NWA's most profitable television center for about a year, and the product was so rejected by the fans that they had to. Uh, he sold it back to Jim Crockett for a million dollars, and then and used that money. money to start WrestleMania. Yeah, so this, yeah, exactly. The Jerry and uh, Jack Briscoe set in motion the events that created WrestleMania. Yeah, they set in motion the events that would lead to eventually. And in typical Jillian Vince McMahon, Hall being sexually harassed. Yeah, in typical Vince McMahon fashion, he rewarded them by making sure that Jerry only appeared at WrestleMania twenty or WrestleMania two thousand in a dress or something. I mean, that was honestly not that many people could succeed in both of those uh, careers, in both of those ways. So, like, who would be now? Who's like a super bland, very well respected wrestler? Steve Blackman. Like, if Dean, literally, Dean like, Malenko. Yeah, the Dean exact Malenko. same thing as Dean Malenko, just like is one of the stooges for the authority, and he's like, he's going to suck off Braun Strowman. <laughs> uh, but bear in <laughs> Can't mind, take it all. Strowman's hog's too big. He wins? I mean, I, I'm i not going to talk about what's going on in wrestling right now, but let me just say this. I hate I hate it. Why? It's just shut. It's so what? boring. What's boring? All of it. NWA Power is great. It is great. AEW is great. AEW is good. It's not great. Yeah, it's not as good as NWA Power, but nothing It is else. nothing is as good as NW NWA Power. It's like they... I don't know how there's other fans in those stands because I feel like it should just be me and... Maybe you, but at a certain point you'd be like, "This yeah, the fact that too like long. the fact that you get to see a, uh, wrestlers work the crowd and oh. stuff like where I think it was like Damian Sandow or Aaron Stevens now was dealing uh, some was just kind of like adding on to something someone in the crowd was saying, and then everyone started saying it, so we had to pull back and do the promo. Yeah, kind of like, oh, this is exactly what stand ups like, where you just it's, like it's start doing crowd work, and you're like, oh fuck, now I have to establish it's a show. Again. It's so loose and nice as opposed to AEW, which is really good, but AEW just feel like at every turn, I'm just sort of like, is this T like it just feels a bit too TNAE. The oh really? It feels like a lot like Nitro to me. 
It also feels a lot like Nitro, but which it, is great. You need something that looks different, man. You can't just fuck. I it. know, but it's just NWA. NWA yeah. power. NWA power is much better for it's, sure. Like, and it's and an it, hour too. It's, it's an hour. Jim Cornette is just desperately trying not to say cunt. Like, oh, can, and Jim Cornette is so happy that he'll even like work with Cole Cabana. I which mean, is nice. that's, seeing them interact is very, very funny. funny. I it's because I haven't asked personal friend Cole Cabana about Don't it. Don't ask him. That's I'm not, not going nice. to. I'm not Brendan now. How's <laughs> working with your ex-wife? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what a weird question to ask. Hey, wh- does it make you cry watching your fuck uh, your best friend? Hey, uh, you know how um, uh, you're working with that guy that really uh, said some horrible things about you? Anyway, you were about to get back on your feet, and this guy railroaded your career. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, How's guess, that? I guess you shouldn't have invested so poorly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Check this fucking out. Here's how old Gerald Briscoe is. The Dust Bowl ruined his childhood. I mean, for those of you who don't know what the Dust Bowl is, because most of our listeners are in the UK, uh, during the Great Depression, because God was really angry at humanity, yeah. he also created a drought that essentially turned all of the prairie areas in North America into giant piles of dust. All of those crops, um, wheat, etc., if not watered properly, yes. just disintegrate and turn into giant sharp large sand pebbles yeah. basically completely infertile land and then what happened what was the family what were they going to do john they were going to go to beverly hills beverly hills this is that's where i want to be <laughs> i really like the idea i like the idea it's literally the Gerald plot of the father just being like well pack your stuff up Weez is going to Beverly Hills. What's crazy and then is Jerry and but Jack the, Briscoe the thing, going, well, that's not pertinent. I understand right. it sounds crazy, but that was literally in that time. That's where you went because the orange crops were one of the few crops that survived. So the Grapes of Wrath, the guy that wrote the book, the family it was based on, were really angry because he invented a lot more hardship. They're like, oh, we got to California and we're fine. We that's got houses funny. and stuff, you fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> that like guy, it was an, it's an opulent... Like watered desert oasis, so that's why like Orange County and all that. That's who populated that. Where everyone from the Dust Bowl was like, "Where are their crops?" My cousin got drunk on a train, and now he owns an orange patch. Let's go. And <laughs> but unfortunately, it's Jared Briscoe's family, and they weren't white, so they couldn't travel for fear of murder. Yeah, sorry, I, I misquoted. It was not Oklahoma City that was a uh, sunset town, as Gerald Briscoe put it. It was Blackwell, where he grew up, because they wanted to go to Beverly Hills, but then there were okay. More specifically, by the way, uh, sunset towns or sundowner towns there you were go. prominent in the in, in the South until the Americans say the '60s, but historical records. I'm going to say 2004. I was going to say 2019. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Trayvon is essentially what it would be. Is it would be a town where no non-white people can be seen in the town after dark. So legally, if you are a not a white person, you live in the town. You have to be in your house. And not seen. For example, good and, fucking Christ. And if you were, the best thing that would happen to you is you went to jail. The other thing, it would be an excuse for a lynching. So that's how people like Malcolm X's dad. Malcolm X lived in a sundowner town. Yeah. Malcolm X's dad was found with his head crushed on a train track. That's not good. Not good. But what about when it's like it, it's dark by five p.m., John? Tough. Jeez. Like it's. Here's the, like, they must have had really nice houses. That's, uh, that's be, the only positive I can take from not this. Not to be... <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, of course. That, that was the, they really lucked out and what if I What if I pissed everyone off and I just kept on... like Let's say I was a person of color back then and then I just kept on building my house out <laughs> into the road so I could get cigarettes? 
Technically, I'm still in my house, though. Yeah. This guy's good. Yeah. Ooh, someone's been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I built my house into this place where I can get cigarettes. Also, the house keeps going past But it's one of those things where people, especially in America, will be like, we don't have a problem with race. And it's like, look, like... In the lifetime of the guys working at Home Depot just to have something to do in their retirement, there were cities where when it was dusk, everyone that wasn't named Richard was like, oh, fuck, I got to find a house. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrifying. Well, just because of this, because of this horrible hardship, uh, Jerry Briscoe had to learn how to wrestle, and he became good. He lost everything, but he was always he was always Mister Second Place. He couldn't get by a guy. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't get by a guy named Fred Fozard. Can you imagine getting beat up by a guy named Fred Fozard? Fred Fozard sounds like the guy that hangs out at a place you shouldn't hang out at. <laughs> He sounds like a bartender who fucked your wife, but she pegged him, so you're still like, I mean, I don't know if my masculinity is even threatened here. (laughs) (laughs) They made out, that sucks, but then she just pegged him, and he was like, I'm... I pretend you're Shrek, Here's and I'm the donkey. I understand. I, <laughs> you're Shrek, <laughs> I'm the donkey. Listen, I think we all... What are you doing? I'm going to knot in your ass. <laughs> we all play on stereotypes, but listen, I've had a... Fin- Shrek? No, I've had a finger up my tuchus, and that felt great. I could only imagine full peg. It'd be one of those things where you're like, didn't know I liked anchovies <laughs> on pizza. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like that time I got drunk and tried olives. <laughs> it changed my life. Um. Yes, a friend of mine. Uh, there you go. Her boyfriend was really into pegging. Okay. And we gotta save something to say. By the way, we're bulk recording like six episodes, so the I last got, episode is just gonna be us whispering. The last one's gonna be so polite. Um, oh, Jesus. Well, Christ. we're gonna. I guarantee that we're gonna say we're gonna order a salad, and after episode three, definitely episode four is just gonna be too many eating more pizza than's reasonable. <laughs> we could order some beers too, probably. <laughs> I gotta do, I gotta drive to a show. Oh, you gotta drive. Yeah, well, that's not good. Dylan's getting drunk. <laughs> so as you were saying, um, you had a friend. I got a friend. She pegged her boyfriend, yeah. and she said it was like, oh, that's what he's been wanting. <laughs> I thought she was gonna be like, understand from the pegging part. No, she like literally was because like, because for the women, it must just be either. She also said she also she had a new respect for humping because she was like that takes a lot more energy than it seems like it does and I was like it certainly does. <laughs> well, because we don't notice because obviously it feels good and then our whole bio uh, biology is like make it come out and then put a person in there. Yeah, but, uh, do it, do it, do it. The goo makes people. Yeah, make the goo make the people. Yeah, it would be the equivalent of how Gerald Briscoe felt about not being a Native American for his gimmick. Just like no, no, no. <laughs> Our bodies, He's when humping, are going, yes, yes, yes. Are, are you sure? Because you can control how we present these. You know, he oh, could. An Italian guy? You want, you want I, an Italian guy? He could not control it. And I love his reasoning, by the way, was he knew he would have to destroy a Native American headdress at some point, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. didn't want to do that. Well, he refused that in uh, in an angle in like the mid-70s. He, another one, uh, another guy who we talk about as where you hear... As stand-up comedians, we hear this all the time. Like, yeah, I started in 1976. My third gig, I was headlining on HBO because there were like four comedians back yeah. then. This is the exact same thing about wrestling, where uh, Jerry Briscoe uh, starts being a professional wrestler, and his second match in, he has an NWA title match. Well, this is the thing that before the sort of hot period of the late 70s and the yeah. 80s, wrestling was big, but it was also it was so localized and once a week, like. 
Those wrestling territories would have like two guys, one of whom worked at a furniture store. Yep. Unless you're talking to fucking Jer, uh, fucking Jim Cornette, who was at Memphis Wrestling, so he actually saw a prominent, prosperous territory. Yep. But I guarantee, tier like the Amarillo territory was the Funk Brothers, and then a guy that they convinced. <laughs> yeah, the territory was just the Funk Brothers really beating up people they could beat up. And yeah, then like having wrestling. This is the Oklahoma Territory pre Bill Watts, so it's being run by a blind man that drives. Never forget. Jim Ross got his start in this business because they had to stop the blind man from driving. That's very Welcome funny. to wrestling. We're all going to die. Yeah. Harley Race's first job in wrestling was wiping a fat guy's butt. Wrestling <laughs> is great. Very good stuff. So, yep. Uh, here we go. Let's get into specifics and try and be somewhat journalists, I guess. Are we trying to be journalists? Absolutely not. Anyway, Fred... Wrestling has enough journalists. The Fred rise of Fox. so many wrestling television programs... There's enough people doing podcasts Oof. in wood-paneled rooms Nerds. saying things like, with the fox, Eric Bishop. Um, <laughs> so originally, uh, Jerry and Jack Briscoe pledged to stay away from each other and have their own wrestling careers. By yeah. 1969, that was absolutely not happening. Of course it was up to be the Briscoe Brothers tag team. Uh, Jerry made his debut um, uh, uh, on his first day in the industry, tagging with his brother Jack. Jack's partner for the night had been injured, so Leroy McGurk, the blind guy, blind guy, suggested Jerry uh, uh, replaced him. Jack pointed out that Jerry had absolutely no training, and Leroy said he was an accomplished amateur, so just teach him a headlock and a hammerlock before the match and let him go. He also told Jerry not to throw any punches at all. I thought that was really smart. I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah, because it's the hardest thing to do is is uh, fake a punch. Yeah, if you just like do a bunch of that, and especially like with the way wrestling is up until we were kids. This is going to sound weird, but if you're under uh, thirty, when Wrestling was around in the early '90s. They even frowned on closed fists. Yeah, like all the all of the Jesse. Uh, well, that was Je- the one of the guys would just talk about closed fists. That was one of the best. The best thing about Jesse Ventura's color commentary is he would just call the ba- the baby faces on heel moves they were making, mm-hmm. and just come across like a prick. And he would do that all the time to Hulk Hogan, and it was phenomenal. And yeah. point, but it also was one of those things where that's a lesson they could use now, as the WWE's main business strategy is basically like. Get me Mike the Situation. He's the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. The Situation would be fucking phenomenal. Great. We both agree the best heel of the Ruthless Aggression era was Kevin Federline. Kevin Federline is so good. Like, why they didn't offer him a. This is Vince McMahon's bad logic. Get Kevin Federline out of here. Now get me the man from She's All That. Because Kevin Federline is exactly who wrestling fans hate, by which I mean. He is a. It's gonna sound weird, but once we're white so- guy pretending to be black, portraying his race. Yeah, that we hate him. No, but but like that's what wrestling. Oh, what a handsome white trash guy who has sex with your crush. That's yeah. who he. Kevin Fe- and I'm the gonna, anger that was out there when Kevin Federline. Was I'm the also one gonna that say Britney Spears. and a portion of that anger, especially for certain portions of the United States, were they were going. He's pretending to yep. be black. A hundred percent. People hated. It was fine. Remember when it was like fine to say wigger? Oh my god. Remember? And then and then I remember one time I was talking about my friend Adam was like, well, you know, wigger, like just split it up what it means. And I was like, oh yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> like, and then, I never. I, I will say this. I was never even on that train just because I thought it was. It was also like how I dressed. I was super sick. Yeah, man. Everyone had clenched jeans. Yeah. Echo denim suits. When they said FUBU, I thought us, they meant humans. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's one of, and it was a weird thing, and it's still very much a part. That is one. That's one of the great bellwethers of. You want to find out if someone is secretly racist? They will drop that one as like a a a, a toe dip in the pool of how you feel, and then they'll go from there. Dylan's just gotten a text message. Who's it from? It's from Alex Wood. I'm still. I have a Samsung phone out of everybody. I'm still not sure how to turn off anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I got, what was it happening? It was like uh, a ri- just some alarm kept going off, and I just felt like my mom being like, "How do I stop it? How do I stop it?" I was like, "Oh, it's gonna happen, isn't it?" I deal with, I deal with the uh, problems with technology the exact same way as my mom, where I don't get angry as like a dad. I, my voice just gets real high, and my hands go ah. Some a man show up and break it. <laughs> I don't care if we have to break it. I just like that we've discovered this new level of racism. That, by the way, basically society started like being like, let's not behave this way. By there's a new level of racism in the. Hang on, in the uh, for wrestling fans. In that, oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> in that we don't like white people pretending to be black people. Even yeah. look no further than John Cena was a died in the wool heel when he was rapping all the time. Yes. And then he only did that a bit and everyone was like, he's all right now. No, he became, because there's the weird thing is like, don't, I remember Paul Heyman was the one who said, don't make him a white rapper character. It'll kill his career. And then obviously that made him take off. But yeah, but not at first. That was he, more for Vince McMahon because the other thing was like with John Cena. We're getting sidetracked talking about John Cena. No, no, now. but we're bringing back. But to the Jared thing about John Cena was as lame as John Cena was when he was the Marine John Cena. Did you ever see the rap video that they made? Of course. Yeah. When they, if if anyone doesn't remember, they made a rap video trying to get John Cena over, where it was like him rapping about how hard his upbringing was on his farm. <laughs> in yeah. his like nice farm in rural Massachusetts. Also, never forget John Cena's rap album did way better than anyone was expecting it to. Like of it charted. It, did. it was sick. Yeah, it's very good. It had both his theme songs on it. Yeah, that, again, they don't they underestimate wrestling fans both in what they will object to when it comes to race or sexuality yeah. and what they will embrace commercially. That's very funny. Yeah, that is very funny. So, um, why is that man from Japan dressed like he's from Japan? That's what white people dress like when they kick. <laughs> Leroy McGurk had some good advice for Gerald Briscoe for his first match. Don't and that punch, was even if roll even around. If, even if you're blind, still drive your car. So here's what, it, and then his second piece of advice for him. Uh, no, actually, sorry, this was Jim Crockett when he went to work for Jim Crockett. Gerald was, Gerald had long hair. Uh, Jim Crockett told him to cut it. And uh, Gerald replied, he wouldn't because there's too many guys with thinning hair here anyway. And Jim Crockett fired him. <laughs> That's what you get for pointing out Pat O'Connor's fucking bald. Yeah, how fucking dare you? Vern Gagne has a chicken legs and the body of a bunch of mashed potatoes. Okay, uh, you're fired. Yeah. What about Vern? He's cut, cut your hair. You look like a woman. This is the wrestling business. If you're you're either a man or you're a woman. You're black or you're white. <laughs> no mixing. <laughs> I mean, the more I don't believe in the myth called Mexicans. I call them <laughs> Mythsicans. I mean, the more you read about wrestling history, the more I just am like, um, believe everything liberal, uh, quote unquote, liberals are saying because you just open the manhole that is wrestling history, and you're like. It's a river of shit, and it just called a rock a Jew. Oh my God. Uh, so we're gonna probably release as as a I'm sorry for only doing it 
uh, today, only being able to make his schedules work today. We'll re- release Gerald Briscoe today for Patreon people, and we'll also be recording the Grizzly Smith episode. And literally, this this happened was that uh, I was supposed to uh, boink my wife because our schedules are very conflicting. Yeah. And then, thank God, she took too long at uh, Costco and was too tired because after reading the Grizzly Smith thing, I was like, I don't think I can ever be happy again. Oh. I, I had to read the Grizzly Smith stuff, and uh, we do this thing where if it's too sad, we put in happy facts, which our wonderful researcher, Christopher Hobson, was lovely enough to put in some happy I facts know, and in there, too. But good <sighs> God damn it. It's like... The more you get into wrestling history, like Gerald Briscoe being a proud First Nations person is one of the better things in wrestling history. I know a that sounds f- weird because uh, you see a guy who's like, what is this, 50 years ago now? And yeah. this, he's this good about it. And I wish the WWE would put guys like him on Front Street. I absolutely agree. Him it's- and Pat Patterson being the Stooges is so weirdly progressive for. A, the Attitude Era, and B, wrestling full stop. But it's also what's even crazier is how much the both of them have admiration for not hiding who they were Mm -hmm. in a backstage environment around all of these people, especially in the 70s. Dick Murdoch. Dick Murdoch. Ric (laughs) Flair. Like, never... Ric Flair? Ric Flair. Like... Teddy Long stories of interacting with Ric Flair sound like a gangster rap song. <laughs> it's a haunted house, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's a fucking nightmare. And Gerald Briscoe, who him and his brother, you just look, okay, their upbringing was they were born into a storm of cutty, cutty wheat. <laughs> Fought from the day they could walk. What's there to eat? Oh, another bowl of dust, Gerald. Yeah. yeah. Um, then their job was working for a drunken blind man yep. who, I assume, said horrific things to not them, thinking it was them. Yep. Then they go to Australia and work for Jim Barnett, which mm-hmm. all the information seems to be probably very nice because Jim Barnett was a closeted homosexual man and also knew what it was like to be an outsider. But also... But also extremely predatory. Oh, I was about to get to that. Like He's but like, the- wait a minute. This is fine in this little world. Yeah, I'll be living here. Thank yes, you. I'll take your. I'll take your aggressive. Homophobia. Well, I was. I was literally about to say he was, was going to go, and that is, of course, juxtaposed by the fact that he had to leave America because him and Rock Hudson may have pimped out a lacrosse team. <laughs> That's sassy. <laughs> That's like that old Doug Stanhope joke where it's like a guy, there's this comedian, there's this gay comedian who is like really good at fucking straight guys after shows. And he's like, and he's like, I was on this tour and it was uh, after this dude was in the comedy condo and I just knew I was just sleeping in some confused college football player's ass sweat the Uh, next night. (laughs) You do know who that comedian was. I will tell you off the air. You've met him. Oh, really? It's me? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hi, Keyshawn Johnson. I fucked Keyshawn Johnson. I don't know. Who he was that a is. wide receiver for the Jets in the nineties. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, I convinced him. I was twelve. He was thirty. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I got my first boner, and I said, "I'm gonna put this in you, Keyshawn Johnson." When are we gonna rename this podcast? We'll never be on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> when are we gonna rename <laughs> this podcast? Please don't. <laughs> we're chat. We're we're in a. Era where they say you have to watch what you say. We are really not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely. We could call this podcast Locker Room Talk. It's not even about wrestling anymore. 
It is. Hey, do you want to subscribe? Uh, it's $5 a month, uh, and you get to ruin these guys' career whenever you want to. <laughs> yeah. Their lives are in your hands. <laughs> but here's the craziest We got to take a break. I think we have to take a break, but I'm just going to say this on this topic, and then we will talk about Jared Briscoe. Here's the thing. If, if it was revealed, the one great saving grace is when, when our careers are ruined by what we've said on this podcast, wrestling's coming with us, because then it would be like... Wait a minute, did you make that up? No, no, we were reading from research. And they were like, research about what? And, I was, and then we'd be like, you know that billion-dollar company? Huh? Oh, you know how hard it would be to not say horrible things with the... Like, this is... A lot of this stuff is worse than serial killer podcasts. Because at least the serial killers... They are in jail. Yeah, they got caught. Yeah. Grizzly Smith... Or they're dead. Grizzly Smith died happily, surrounding by a bunch of people that I assume were like, he could be faking it. Oh, Grizzly Smith died uh, with the daughter that he molested his entire life. Ugh. Like, happily... It's very funny. All right. We're going to take a break, and then what we're going to do is... We're going to talk about Jer- uh, Gerald Briscoe wrestling Danny Hodge, yeah, and which I assume was just an actual fight, and they didn't know there was a crowd there. <laughs> we're going to talk about that after the break. Hey, Dylan. Have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus. Separately, I, I don't. I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers to bar say. hummus Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com/backslash/wrestlerreview, or rate and subscribe on iTunes, or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn, fucking turn, break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer, and use your fucking dick grabbers. To give us some fucking money. Welcome back to the end of our careers. I'm Jack Briscoe. Yay! I'm Gerald Briscoe. I'm more proud of my heritage than John is. Nice. It's a contest. So here's what it is. He works as a solo wrestler. Gerald Briscoe does in the CWF in the early 70s. He teams with his brother, obviously off and on throughout his career. They won over 20 titles. Uh, they <laughs> Briscoe State. They were more disliked uh, by other people than they uh, than they disliked them. What? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, aside from a high pro, uh, profile falling out between them and uh, Ole Anderson, basically the Briscoes never ran into any problems. Well, that's not true. They had one other issue with the Funks. The Funks. Yeah. What was the issue with the Funks, John? No one really. It, it's is it explained in the research? I read over it twice. It's not. They just had a lot of because we talk about it pretty. We talk. We do two episodes on Terry Funk. We talk about it in the first one. But it's essentially they just didn't like each other. It's essentially, as I recall, that's what the well. Feud I was. mean, a it lot was, of these tag teams are brothers. Like it's our family versus Funk your brothers, family. It's also Oklahoma. It's also the Oklahoma Texas rivalry, which yes. is really only known in those areas. Yeah, like I didn't realize it in that. Essentially, that they're like. Texas is like, we're the best. And Oklahoma is like, I think you'll find it's us, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have an Oklahoma-Texas college football rivalry that uh, we've got, what was it? I think, oh my God, I just listened to a whole thing on this about the rivalry like 
um, how there was so many fights for a while that they had to ban booze for like 10 years. Because there was just What are like, you guys, English? They would just show up and just fight in the parking lot, and then the game would start, and then <laughs> and then they'd keep on fighting in the stands. Um, by 1973, Gerald uh, Briscoe enters into a feud with Danny Hodge Yolo. over the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. He also loses an NWA title shot against Dory Funk Jr. and one against Harley Race. He Boom. Had, uh, regional tag team title runs with Thunderbolt Patterson. He picked up the Mid Atlantic Television t- or Mid Atlantic title. Pardon me. Um, and which was considered one of the peaks of his t- um, his singles career, and he continued to work against Ole and Gene Anderson with Jack Briscoe in tags. I assume the locker room with Ole and Gene afterwards was a was like the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a very important part of his wrestling career. It's in 1974. The Briscoe's Body Shop had established, and essentially they uh, get that going over the course of nine years, leading to both of their retirement. What's even crazier is this is the only case in wrestling where two gentlemen were like, in the next decade, we'd like to retire. Four years into wrestling, they start this body shop. What's the game plan? Five years, sorry. He starts wrestling in 1969 by literally, that means like as soon as he gets into wrestling almost, like three years in, he's like... Well, these gentlemen are fucking fucked. I'm going to have a side business. Does Pro Wrestling so Tees smart. have a, Gerald, a, a Briscoe Brothers Body Shop t-shirt? Because if they do, I want one. I was thinking of going there just to get a t-shirt and leaving. Oh, I don't need anything. Because <laughs> it's just... You know what it is? It's symbolic of just two... The only two men that have anything figured out. Like, Jack Briscoe, obviously... Of course they have it. Look at their childhood. Their childhood was literally like, you better have a fucking plan. <laughs> Yeah, of course, because nothing is stable versus like a bunch of people who just assume everything's going to work out and all their dreams come true. It's like, dreams die. Yeah. I own a body shop. But no, I think that this was their dream. Their dream was not be the NWA heavyweight champion. Their dream was stable, smart investments leading to be able to breathe in your backyard as the sun is set. That's the other thing is that people don't think about this but this isn't where like now where wrestling has to be your passion this was some guys found a good amateur wrestler they had very good at amateur wrestling what do you do is in your next phase of being an amateur wrestler you are a pro wrestler now and then you invest in a body shop that and then and then you are smarter with your money than any other professional wrestler in the world i guarantee rick flair drunk drove to the briscoe's buddy brother's body shop me i fixed the car ha <laughs> Threw money on the ground, and they were just like, thanks for the money. He just overpaid. (laughs) So 1974, of course, uh, Tampa, Florida, if anybody wants to visit, the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop is started. Uh, So it starts making money. And he, they invest in property around the area, which is uh, rented out by other businesses. Very smart. This builds up to Jerry and Jack buying shares in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Shares, uh, state, uh, sorry, Gerald states that as soon as he was told the promoter usually gets seventy percent of the money and the performers get thirty percent, it was always his ambition to buy into territory. territory. He, and he also bought into Georgia, which was one of the most. Uh, how they contested territories in terms of there was a lot of different owners all the time, so it was one of the places that you actually needed to have wrestlers in the ownership so yep. that if you needed to hot shot to stave off a territorial war, that, that was a great option, which is why there was a variety of wrestlers holding shares as opposed to other territories that usually just had like one weird guy. Yeah. Also, Gerald Briscoe throughout the entire 1970s, which was a down period for professional wrestling Depending on as what a territory whole. you were in. 
But I mean, like, there wasn't. So the thing is, is in Georgia, it was a down. Name the the star of stars from the 1970s, because like in the 50s, it is in the 50s. Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. 60s, it would be Fez. Fez. Yeah. 70s, it's but this is 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 the territories are rocking. So you have to remember the 70s is like, um, superstar Billy Graham is one. No, it's the start of what wrestling becomes. It's the start of what wrestling becomes, and that because it's the transition from Gerald so Briscoe essentially to Dusty Rhodes. But it's also du- like Dusty Rhodes. But Dusty Rhodes is only in Florida. Dusty Rhodes was only was the was literally Jesus in Florida, and then they had to send him to other territories where he's relatively over to get someone else over, and then they could bring him back. Yeah, in the same thing of that. Like I just mean like Dusty Rhodes was an athlete, yeah, but he's this fat dude who uh, oh, really good at promos and he can do a sixty minute match. You wanted to body shame. That's what you wanted to do in this port. Yeah, he's a chunk fucking loser. I mean, oh, everybody is Dusty Rhodes. Can I have all the chicken? Don't look me in the eyes. I. It's a weird thing. Everyone always brings up Dusty Rhodes as a heft. There you go. I always thought it was fucking like all I would be like is. He was way more athletic than so many other wrestlers. For the his size, he was more agile and more athletically inclined than Ole Anderson. You watch Ole Anderson in oh, the NWA, yeah. and he's essentially just going for a. It looks like a guy looking for a small pencil while he's playing golf. <laughs> well, well, the other thing is that Dusty Rhodes uh, was an athlete. Yeah, he was, he, a was foot- a, he was a baseball player and a football player. Yeah. So, and Ole Anderson was probably just like a guy. Who he was just muscular. an asshole. <laughs> you, I don't like you. You want to be a wrestler? Yes, yeah, I do. Fuck you. Do I get to put rules on minorities? Yeah. Uh, that's the weirdest. Yes, yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Haha, <laughs> good then. Is there a native guy there named Jerry? Because I want to slap him while he's sleeping. Anyway, yeah, I was going to be the One manager the... at a store and then just not give any of the minorities tips, but this seems fun. What are the rules if I'm the promoters? I get keys to all the wrestlers' hotel rooms. <laughs> what are you going to do? I just want to let them know I can get in there anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I want to smell some cocks after you fucked. Oh my god! <laughs> I want to smell your cock after you fucked. How about that? That way, we were happy, and then you're immediately sad. <laughs> and then I say your cock smells fucking like shit. Her pussy must have had shit in it. It had my shit in it. Shit in her pussy. Shit in her stupid fucking pussy. How does that sound? <laughs> anyway, you're this is losing could, to me on television uh, tomorrow. This is what could be said about Ole Anderson. Is that this is the nicest thing anyone ever said about Ole Anderson? The notion of him shitting in a woman's pussy. Um, at least it involved a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. All right. It is so the, they they're feuding with the Funks. They off and on feud with the Funks. They uh, feud, feud with the, with the assassins. They feud. And by with the way, the Funk feud between the Briscoes is so amazingly well built. And then there is the greatest NWA title holdup ever, which yeah. is the Funks claim that Dory can't drop the title because he got into a car accident. Yeah. Something that they still claim. And by the way, the Briscoes are still like, fuck you. The Funks and the Briscoes weirdly are also. They're very weirdly a carbon copy of each other, where the ones who were the world champions in the 70s, Dory and Jack. Um, Terry had the title, too, but Dory's mostly known as like the lead funk in the 70s. And then as you move into the 80s and beyond, Terry and Gerald get most of the credit. Well, the thing being. is that Terry and Gerald are more versatile performers. That's the thing, yeah. especially at this time, where if you're at the top of the card, you basically just do your thing for an hour yeah. and leave. 
if you're in mid-card bouncing around all these territories, you need to be a versatile performer, which Jerry was and mm-hmm. Terry was. And also both of them were smart enough about wrestling of going, oh, this is where it's going now. I will do this. And there's way more to be done when you are a mid-carder. Like you can loot. Like Jack kind of had, Jack Briscoe had to protect his spot in a lot of places. And it's very clear that Gerald and Jack both looked at wrestling as a job, not a huge passion that they were so pleased to be a part of. Look no further than the fact that one day Jack just went, I'm done, and went and worked at a body shop and I assume was quite happy. Yeah, of course. So this basically happens. They're mostly tag team uh, in the early 80s. Um, The most significant of their success is they become NWA World Tag Team Champions uh, champions in 83 while wrestling in Mid-Atlantic. And uh, they convinced uh, Ricky Steamboat to... Um, sorry. The most... this was I'm just going to read this off. Uh, <laughs> this was very significant despite all the success the Briscoes uh, considered. They had never actually been World Tag Team Champions. This was by design and they wanted to cap off their careers with the belts. At this stage, Jack knew he was going to retire with Jerry getting the same feeling. Shifts in the territory had left Steamboat, who the Briscoes had a hand in renaming from Richard Blood, saying that you can't give that name to a babyface. That's right. He had the name Dick Blood, and he was like, <laughs> I'm still going to be a babyface. Yeah. Again, Ricky the Dragon, learning about that guy. It's what's your original name? Pussycock. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you should change that. What's, nope. a, what's your original name? Uh, Steven, your mom fucking sucks, <laughs> bud. <laughs> In Youngblood without adequate opposition, Jim Crockett was against turning the Briscoes heel, saying the crowd wouldn't buy it because the Briscoes, uh, he wanted the Briscoes to headline his B-shows as faces. Eventually, a meeting is called where Jack basically threatened to quit, so Crockett relented, and then they became heels, which, given their history as, like, white meat, we do this for America baby faces is a fucking huge thing. They've been baby faces absolutely their whole career and then they finally turn heel. And this is also a type of wrestler actually I think modern wrestling, especially something like NWA Power could use again. Which is they're sort of doing which is just like NWA Power needs Chad Gable flat out. Absolutely. They need a they need Chad Gable is so good. But just Vince McMahon will never put it because he's too tiny. He's a tiny little bitch boy. I gotta tell you, they need Chad Gable. They need that fucking guy, uh, the English gentleman from fucking um, NXT uh, two hundred five live. What the fuck's his name? Ooh, Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher. And I'm gonna throw and Matt Riddle. Those three guys, NWA Power. I would literally just it'd be fat loads of wrestling joy. That's why I like NWA Power because they what they've done is they've gotten some people on steroids again, and thank God for it. I gotta tell you, I don't like the people who are on steroids, but I, like I also it. don't want them to not take them anymore. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law was telling me about how his buddy's a firefighter, and they ba- basically are the the police chief is like, you just got or the fire chief goes, uh, you gotta be strong. And uh, not to mince words here, do steroids. <laughs> uh, a friend of our it's life and death, baby. Graham K's cousins. Uh, Graham K's cousins on a SWAT team. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Graham was t- and I were talking about, it and he was like, "It's really fun because it's a really it's a it's a pretty safe job actually because there's so much protection. You're in num- yeah. heavy numbers. You just get to kill people. You just get to, and you also get to kill people, which is every policeman's dream. That's sweet. Uh, <laughs> Oops, sorry, you were just getting your mail. Oopsie. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's why you're not a cop. You're a police. Guy, guy, you're guy, a post- yeah. I fucked that joke up. Anyway, he described go. that there's like a bunch of old guys on the SWAT team that like the rest of them are like they go to the gym, they really take care of themselves, and then the old guys are like, 
anytime that they're just like waiting around or just doing push-ups and eating almonds because like I don't want to go back on the streets this is the best job in the world (laughs) (laughs) so because I don't think you could do steroids if you're a cop because you'd be drug tested more stringently than a fireman I've made that up I assume that's true sure Let's talk about what we think firemen maybe do. <laughs> yeah, here on the wrestling. So pub. obviously we got here on the Black Saturday. Uh, we t- we started off the episode of Black Saturday. And a couple of other facts: the deal was not instantaneous. It took six months to take place. Yeah. Um. It also very much established a relationship between Gerald Briscoe, Jack Briscoe, and Vince McMahon. Yes. Um. Also, Paul Jones in the re- revelation. Other fun facts: Paul Jones of Paul Jones's Army Boom. was the majority shareholder in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay. Which leads me to believe that when the WCW buyout happened, that guy made so much fucking money oh wow because he would have owned the thing that owned the tv time so either when crockett bought it mm. or when wcw was purchased either way that guy was like out of here that's why you never saw him again yeah you only saw him on nwa and then he probably he's a weird nwa discovery that no one talks about and, but and it's not only- good it's so like He's a mid-card fucking heel manager. Hey, uh, this guy's in my stable because we didn't have any ideas for him. <laughs> yeah. Although, there is a brief time. because uh, I- Mustard Steve. He really likes mustard. <laughs> is that a bad or good thing? Yeah. You tell me. Anyway, Mustard right. Steve's here. There's also a really fun thing for like three Starcades in a row. It's just Paul Jones's army versus some version of Jimmy Valiant. Johnny yeah, Man. of course, and it's the best because the boogie woogie man, the boogie woogie man, guy who painted the entire uh, the entire interior of his house black. Fuck yeah! <laughs> and he got he uh, first things he did after wrestling was lose uh, fifty pounds because he would uh, he said it was exhausting because he had to put size on to be a wrestler. Yeah, so he was. It's kind of like CM Punk when CM Punk was just puffy. Yeah, so he was like. He would eat like nine steaks a day and work out. And as soon as he stopped wrestling, he was like, oh, thank God. And he went down like 180 pounds. So he lost like 50 pounds of muscle and immediately also just got sleeve tattoos all over his body. Or sorry, he got, he got tattoos, tattoos all, all over, over his, his body. body. Yeah. Immediately when he stopped wrestling. It's crazy. Also, bought his still w- alive and met his wife in a Walmart. But no, and they have a flower business that's very successful. That's what yeah. he, he invested his money. I love wrestling. And his wife loves him so, so much. much. They love each other so well, She was on, like Big Mama. That's his wife. Big Mama. Yeah. That's his wife. And she bought in Atlanta or Charlotte. There's yeah. Big Mama's flowers. That's crazy. And that's like, that was Jimmy Valiant's nest egg. They met in a Walmart as a and by the way, attached to his greeting, he she wasn't greeting him, and he met her in like an aisle at a Walmart, and he was like, Well, I like flowers too, miss. It's literally the most adorable story. Wrestling doesn't have many stories that are just nice. I also the fact that the adorable story is coming from the boogie woogie man. The boogie woogie man. Like you just a guy who's also not talked about. Also not talked about at all, and some of the best promo some of the most ripped off promos ever. Oh, yeah. No one talks about the fact that Dusty Rhodes is clearly doing a little fucking Jimmy Valiant. 100%. It's just Jimmy Valiant was such a dog shit wrestler. Oh, my word. so dog shit that he would come out and do a promo. Everyone loved him. And then he would just <laughs> just win or lose. And you could never put a fucking title It's in up. the same way that no one talks about how Steve Austin's style is very much Chris Adams. Because Steve Austin stole Chris Adams' wife and doesn't want to hear about it. And has enough power to like, that influence will not be brought up. Yeah, well, Chris Adams was a fucking blowhead asshole, too. Though. Sure was. Chris... Adams was a piece of fucking shit. Anyway, the, um, the Briscoe Brothers after Black Saturday. Listen, Black Saturday. Was I didn't know the WWF was a studio wrestling show for that year because no, it wasn't. They wanted a studio wrestling show. Well, so this asserts in our no research. The research is incorrect. There's some areas where Christopher Hobson is king, 
super nerdy stuff about the 80s, you're in my house, bitch. Now, listen. What it was was they wanted a studio wrestling show. Instead, what they had was Vince McMahon and either uh, Leon Russell or one of those other weird NWA commentators throwing two matches filmed at in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So it wasn't. Okay. It, uh, they may have done some studio wrestling as a make good with T and T, uh, T, uh, TBS. Okay. But for the most part, it was just another clip show like Superstars or anything else. Because to Vince McMahon, that's what wrestling is. Yeah. Vince McMahon had no experience with studio style wrestling. Yeah, it's Southern style. Yeah, this is he. And even now, I guarantee denigrates it and makes fun of it. Absolutely, I guarantee he has watched an episode of NWA Power, and is so utterly confused. No, he probably watched NWA Power and he's like, all right. No, I don't think he, because he has a network show to him though. Do you know what I mean? Uh, But the thing with NWA, he could have bought the NWA and just didn't. He could have bought the, he, by the way, he owns the NWA for all intents and purposes. Why they don't do 205 live, um, like fucking NWA or even, the fact that they don't have a studio wrestling show is a very big oversight and it's just another weird thing that Vince McMahon needs. Doesn't like and doesn't want, in the same way that he's never liked tag teams. And he also doesn't want to like look backwards, which I understand. Like I agree, but it's also look at the, the look at what we're talking about. Gerald Briscoe, he had a wealth of information about territorial wrestling, yes. territorial structures and storylines, which he clearly didn't use. And instead, Gerald Briscoe got farted in the face all the time. We'll talk about that in a second, which I really, really like. Well, let's talk about it. Gerald Briscoe becomes uh, they come in in 1984. They do some wrestling and then very quickly move into uh, Gerald moves into a front office position. Yeah. Oh, I just want to talk about him, basically how he, uh, his role in the Attitude Era, which was he, as you saw, escorted Shawn Michaels to the back during the Montreal Screwjob. Him getting... And this is also another thing, and that, that's also heavily implied, by the way, that if Brett went for Shawn, Gerald was there to stop him, which is, again, like... Gerald- also, Gerald Russo is... No one hates him, too. So it's exactly. like Bret Hart's not going to fucking go all out, and also it looks pretty fucking crazy if you're filming at the time, and then you're, you know, this jacked fucking 240-pound guy in the prime of his life can't immediately destroy this old man. I would have loved to see... if Imagine Wrestling With Shadows had a scene where Brett goes for Sean in the back, and Gerald just removes his sport coat, folds it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not even... He's not rushing. He's just... Now, Brett, I think we... <laughs> yeah, you just take him down. And he'd be like, Brett, you don't want to do this. Brett, I just want to let you know, gentlemen to gentlemen, I'll buy you a nice Top Collins back at the hotel. But if you put one more hand on Sean, that hand's mine now. <laughs> just opens up his bag and there's a bunch of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's three of those were men that weren't courteous to my goodly wife. <laughs> now... I'm going to kill your brother. Yeah. Oh, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You know who suggested uh, David of Arnor get shrimp? That was me. Yeah. I can convince people to do things, Brett. Brett, I just want you to know that uh, you've slighted the wrestling business and your brother still works here. So let's hope he's not in a situation that requires any sort of safety harness. Anyway, Brett, I'm going to go give this white stuff to the British Bulldog now. And uh, in two years, you're going to have a match with Goldberg. Let's see how that works out for you. Brett, let me me put it this way. I'm keeping Jim Neidhart alive. <laughs> <laughs> Just so he can live long enough to be sad, to, for his daughter to be sad on television. Yes. Here's the thing. I am a nightmare. <laughs> 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 I, <laughs> Gene left the company, and now I took yeah. over his role. Here's the thing. Gene Orkelin was a serial killer. 
I feel immense emotion about what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> it's hard. Sometimes I fill the bath filled with boiling water and sit in it as punishment. <laughs> because I don't... <laughs> I give as good as I get, Brett. I give as good as I get. <laughs> anyway, what were you asking me? Oh, here's $5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I just need to talk to someone yeah. sometimes. So, I tried to talk to Jack, but he, he always just starts... Sanding down the paint of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Says he reminds it of, reminds him of our childhood. <laughs> See, this is why I really like uh, Gerald Briscoe, though, is because uh, following the screw job, uh, him and Pat Patterson get put on television, of course, as part of the Mr. McMahon character. If you ask me, I never really thought about it before, re- when I, before reading this, but Mr. McMahon character jumps the shark after you get the Stooges off television. I 100% agree. And also, that's their grounding because those dudes are clearly like they become cartoon characters, but they start out as not cartoon characters. And it's kind of like who? And then you just think, who are what kind of silly fucking idiot has these two old guys protecting it? Also, the best part of it is the greatest fuck you to Hulk Hogan the WWE has ever done. Oh, the real they get <laughs> the real, real American, American to Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson. <laughs> And funny enough, Pat Patterson, which is very, this is very weird, but Pat Patterson was upset because he was perceived as a tough guy, and then now he's playing this role, and Gerald Briscoe was fine with it, which I guarantee is just because... Der- Gerald Briscoe's an actual tough... Like Gerald, yeah. like Gerald Briscoe could kick the shit out of most guys in the prime of their career. Like I guarantee Gerald Briscoe has corrected someone's behavior by tilting his head. Like, just like yeah, some, sure. someone's being a cock in the fucking oak room... Of the uh, of a fucking airport lounge, yeah. and, Jared and he's Brisco- also always sober. Yeah, he's always sober, wearing a ducks a sweater with stitched ducks on it. Yeah, and he puts <laughs> his hand on your shoulder, and you feel the weight of the world. Yeah, and he loved Danny Hodge coming up because, and he clearly copied Danny Hodge. Like, okay, now no one is as tough as Danny Hodge. I'll tell. I've said the story still again. Videos and on I'm, YouTube of Danny Hodge crushing an apple with his hands at like seventy-eight. Danny Hodge crashed his car in a quarry. Yeah, the car was filling with water, and he knew he had a broken neck, so he held his neck in place so he wouldn't be paralyzed. Punched the windshield out, swum up to the top of the quarry, walked to the hospital, got it set, and then went to the arena to explain what happened. Yeah, all of us. Need to never fight again yeah. until that man dies. Randy Couture, uh, former UFC heavyweight champion, had a heart attack two days ago, and he walked himself to the hospital because he didn't want to pay for the cab. I mean. <laughs> and then a million pussies got wet, buddy. Yeah. And that guy cheated on his uh, on every wife he's ever had, and I assume they writ- wrote him an apology letter <laughs> oh for being mad at him because that's how a man acts. <laughs> If that guy's been inside of you, then you now can deal with cancer. I love good the, shit. I, I like the stories of toughness, but I what I wa- wish we also did was told the stories of the guy who was like, I just had a heart attack, I'll walk to the hospital, and then died in his own laneway. Well, I mean, that's the fine line between being <laughs> dumb as fuck and yeah, fine. Like, like it's also the doctors are like, well, uh, Randy, you'll never be able to use your uh, your heart requires surgery. Of course, if you had gotten here in three minutes, like if you'd taken an ambulance, you would have been fine. 
No, no. <laughs> um, the other thing we all need to remember is Gerald Briscoe has a weak stomach, which was exploited often by Vince McMahon, including any time Vince McMahon was trying to go out in the gorilla position where Gerald Briscoe was because he kept the time of the matches, Vince McMahon would fart in his face, causing Gerald Briscoe to gag. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. Now this led to... I bought your territory. Suck my farts. <laughs> this led... Do you know how funny it is? No, like you need to stop because there's something that I don't... I thought you knew about... Which led to one time on SmackDown, Vince tried to force out a fart, and he uh, sharded, and he was wearing cream-colored trousers, so there was a shit stain on his uh, suit trousers. He made a shit fart. He made he sharded, and the camera crew was too upset to shoot it, even though Jim Jim Ross and there's a, supposedly the match was found by a Howard Stern fan. And you can feel Jim Ross is not talking as much as he usually is, and supposedly because that's he's on the cough button going, shoot the shit stain. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> shoot the shit stain. <laughs> that's really good stuff. All right, now listen. We're finally going to get some fucking revenge on this fucking Connecticut motherfucker. That's the best thing about, this is going to sound weird, but this is the best thing about watching uh, Briscoe and Patterson during this period where it's like the part where they just start having fun. <laughs> Oddly, it's around the time we talked about on the Mean Street Posse episode. Um, they just start having fun with it. Well, it's also, you have to remember that Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson are front of office guys. So and they, this is the only time Gerald Briscoe hasn't been asked to do a gig that was directly making fun of his own culture too probably. I mean, that's or, sorry, an, abso a gimmick. an absolutely fucking... Dress up like a woman. Wait a minute. You don't mean I don't have to be a horrible stereotype? Of, of what? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Forget I said that. Wait a minute. Are you nothing? I'm nothing. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear the dress. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Wait. You're not like a... You're not white? No, 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 no. Let me, I'm going to stick a cucumber in my ass now. Yeah. <laughs> Full one. You won't see it. I'll just live with it in my ass. Yeah. Forget we had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why Kevin Dunn has bucky teeth is that every time that uh, he almost found out Gerald Briscoe um, uh, was Native American, Gerald would just pull one of his teeth really hard, moving it in his mouth. <laughs> 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 I moved your teeth. You chew worse. Ah! <laughs> You chew worse now. It's harder for you to live. Yeah. Do you really want to upset me again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Never. I won't. No, I won't. I won't hurt you directly. I'll just kind of make things a bit weird. Yeah. Oh no, I. I don't. Unlike Mean Gene, I don't come at you directly. I'll just. I'll just put fiberglass in your bed, and you'll itch every you know that shirt you like? day of your life. I threw it away. Yeah. No, just your life's a bit worse. Every time your favorite sports team loses, I'll show you a red balloon. <laughs> Eventually. Every time you see a red balloon, you have a sense of loss. <laughs> Briscoe Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, uh, me, I, I don't know. <laughs> I broke into your house and erased all the tapes of you and your family having yeah. fun. I, uh, so your memories are gone. I own your memories. But anyway, yes, you can, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> all you need to know is, uh, sometimes I just go to your kid's school. I don't interact. <laughs> I got a janitor's outfit. I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Here's a bunch of pictures of your wife sleeping. Anyway, <laughs> do with that what you will. Yeah. Here's the thing you need to know. Sunny betrayed the sacred trust of a relationship, and I taught her a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> she lives with that knowledge, <laughs> and Chris gets to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking terrifying. Dylan, best thing about Gerald Briscoe. God, I hope he doesn't hear this episode because I just feel like he's just going to mail. He would mail me one of my own fingers. Foresight. 
He is uh, absolutely very smart businessman. He uh, within like I don't know of anyone who that young who is that sensible to just like be twenty six. Your second match is a world title match. You're so utterly unimpressed. You know what it is? He's so utterly unimpressed with professional wrestling. He just found the best way to make it stable and that's any form of entertainment that is the best thing you can do he and his brother's leg he and his brother's childhood was so fucking brutal yeah it created two adults that were literally the only actual adult responsible men in the history of territorial wrestling (laughs) jim crockett's buying mink coats and private jets and fucking jerry and fucking jack are uh well, uh, we could renovate the body shop, but that would require a bank loan. So we'll wait till next yeah, year. Exactly, exactly. And then just like I guarantee that they took every receipt from Ric Flair's drinking and oh. wrote it off in the taxes. <laughs> uh, thank you, business expense, Mister Fleer. <laughs> yeah. I will not say Flair because you cannot beat me up, <laughs> Fleer. <laughs> Put it in the wallet. It's my receipt wallet. That's my money wallet. Don't look me in the mother fucking (laughs) eyes, Fleer. I don't want to see your penis, Richard Fleer. (laughs) Just the idea. That's how they fucking get in Flair's head. Fleer, Fleer, Fleer. It's like there was a comedian. How about this? You won't beat me at the next show, and I won't tell you who your dad is. Yeah. Because you will not like it. Yeah. Worst thing about Gerald Briscoe, I'm going to say it was the fact that he uh, lived his whole life being a good man and still got a nice cushy office job that involved his boss farting in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I think the worst thing about Gerald Briscoe is his uh, uh, promos. They are uh, like a nap. It's uh, a nap. Course. It's a nap. That you're, <laughs> he looks down. He does the pro, he does the sports thing, but I don't think. The pro wrestling sports character. You guys know what I'm talking about out yeah. there when you see a guy's gimmick is that he's an athlete. Yeah. The best ever at that style of promo is Bret Hart because he married the 80s silliness with mm. like the earnest I do athletics. Yeah. And my father trained an athlete. Um, and Gerald Briscoe just looks down and goes, I really hope I win. But if I don't, that's fine. I'm going to say this about uh, the Briscoe's life. Wind was their enemy. Childhood, <laughs> the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Book ended with Gerald Briscoe working at the WWE and Vince McMahon using ass wind yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to make Farts. him throw up every day. Yeah, yeah. I will say this: still alive, still working at the body shop. Congratulations, yeah. Gerald Briscoe. Gerald Briscoe, you never did steroids. I assume you outlived people you hired when they were twenty. I assume Gerald Briscoe walks by Roddy Piper's grave, puts flowers on it, and then whispers, "I win." I should say this as well. Gerald Briscoe scouted Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, and Kurt Angle. So that's quite a legacy as well, isn't it? Oh, that's an excellent legacy as well. And obviously that... Because he could walk up to those people and he was like, I was an amateur wrestler. Yeah. There is nothing... Like, you can can do this. I understand. It might seem silly. It seems silly to me. And earnestly have a conversation with those people and sell them. Like a recruiter for a university would. Yeah. Yeah. Or college. So that's uh, Gerald Briscoe. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, please subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. We'll have the Grizzly Smith episode up soon. And uh, follow us on Twitter at wrestler review, Facebook, the wrestler review podcast. If you guys think a particular part of an episode is funny, uh, please tweet it at us 
and uh, I'll chop it up and put it online so you can share it with your friends and your friends can say, are those guys racist? And you'll say, they, do, they don't do it with their words, but I'm sure their eyes tell the story. I got dates coming up. Australia, England, both happening next year. Not firm confirmations, but those will be coming out soon. YOLO. Um, I really enjoyed last year when I did the Soho Theater on the Friday night show. There were a shitload of people that liked the rest of the review. Come see the show because it actually has wrestling jokes. Also, December 14th and 15th, I'm in Vancouver. And December 19th to the 21st, I'm in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Whoa! Um, November 2nd, I'm headlining E-Bar. That's in Guelph, Ontario, if you want to come out. I'll be on a West Coast swing of Canada on uh, in November. I'll be in Calgary. That's the 21st. I'm looking at the schedule now. 21st to the 27th, I'll be in Calgary doing shows around there. And then I switch over to Edmonton. Um, that is November 29th and 30th. Uh, more information on that, go to dylangott.net backslash shows and then suck me off in the moonlight. Only moonlight. Oh, Dylan's dick's like a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs>